Recording live into an Apple SE iPhone, which I commandeered from my dad because my other iPhone overheated it in my pocket at a San Jose Earthquakes game. It got super duper hot, totally died, but stayed super hot for about a half hour. It's kind of freaky. Still can't get it on. So I did the whole cloud transfer into this um, inferior iPhone, which I'm absolutely fine with because... I downloaded an app called Twisted Wave, and now I'm speaking into that phone, recording into Twisted Wave. It is the Midlife Surfer Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm a small wave lover. I'm a Craigslist scroller. Yeah, man. I'm a Nicorette chewer. I'm a Honda Pilot driver, and uh, I'm a fledgling podcaster. The podcast limps. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, the podcast limps. That's going to be my, uh, my bumper sticker. It's a pretty sick idea, actually. Hey, it's been a long time, hasn't it? I know, I know, I know, I know. I picked up my Jeff Timponi, my 8-6 Timponi. I won it because I'm charitable and I sent 100 bucks to a Maui fire relief and I was one of 91 entries and I freaking won the board. Yeah, buddy. And I received it. It's a long board. It's about 21 and three quarters wide, maybe 21 and a half. It, the thickness is uh, one of those decimal points, like 0.86, something that like I can't easily transfer into uh, a, a fraction. So it's like two, I want to say it's two and three quarters, but it's not. I want to say it's two and 13 sixteenths, but it's not. It's, uh, it's not two and 15 sixteenths. It's like 2.8 three or something he wrote I, I don't i can't remember but anyway it's like it's call it two and three quarter a little over two and three quarters thick eight six that's uh that's of course eight feet long six inches and um what else it's a triple stringer and it's a two plus one okay so a little high performance i guess yeah i spoke to jeff he called me about it he said it's a traditional longboard um and it was based off the Yater Spoon uh, Blank, which I understand is a legendary shape. This one has three stringers, which is really pretty. It's blue. And uh, it's 8'6". So, you know, like for me, I'm 6'2". I'm getting a little heavy. I'm getting heavy. I put on some weight this year. I checked in at 189 this morning. I want to get down to 176. That's my fighting weight. That's where I, I like to live in that 176 to 180 range, but... I've been eating too much Honey Nut Cheerios at night. Kind of got back on on the Modellos. And uh, anyway, yeah, I've been put on some pounds. So I'm going to get a little lighter. But my point is, it's less of a longboard for me. It almost feels like a mid-length. You know what I mean? I mean, it has less volume than my 8.0 Junod egg that I've talked about glowingly many, many times. And uh, I can I can almost duck dive the freaking thing. It's like in the like high 50s literage wise maybe mid 50s per my math i have a, a website i use it's like if you look up new tool n-u-t-u-l-l surfboard volume calculator uh google it i think that's how you spell it even if you spell it like that or n-u-t-u-l surfboard volume calculator google that there's actually a calendar that lives on the internets and you can uh you can deduce the volume of your of your surfboard if the shaper hasn't already deduced it for you. Anyway, I like it. I surfed it, I don't know, three, four, five times. Took it out to Waddell on a pretty big day. Pretty damn big day. Got slammed a couple of times. Took some drops. You know, it's got some Hawaiian vibe to it, you know? And I just know the waves in Hawaii are of a different pedigree than here in Santa Cruz. So I just know, it just looks like, it just feels like. It's a squash tail. It's got a hard edge in the tail. I put a seven-inch Greeno 4A on it. Nice, the Volan, the Volan style Greeno, such a pretty fin. And it's got the white. I got some side bites. It's just those uh, future kind of plasticky white side bites, which I think are fine. Uh, I don't surf a two plus one too often, uh, but I did get some waves, and there was some freaking swell. I went to Waddell and got crushed on that on, on its maiden voyage. I got two good ones, right? 
took some nice drops. And then the wave was about to close out, but I got greedy. Instead of kicking out of it, I tried to take it longer. And then just the, the earth, the, the earth beneath my feet disappeared. You ever have that? Or just like <laughs> you're, you're going down a wave and it closes out and just your board just disappears beneath your feet and you just go down with it. So, uh, it turns really quickly, it turns really quick. Um, it just, I just need to get to know it a little more. Like I said, I've only taken it out four or five times and, uh, I took it out to, uh, my favorite surf spot in town. There was some legit swell, some proper swell where it was six to seven foot faces the day before I surfed. <laughs> I understand a, a spot called Capitola, which is kind of a bunny slope, you know, longboard spot that I love. Um, excuse me, I'm stuffed up if you can't hear it. Anyway, there were some of the biggest waves a lot of people have seen out there in a long time. Um, not necessarily the biggest they've seen, but the biggest they've surfed. And uh, I understand some people had an epic day. Of course, I scrambled out there a day later once the swell had subsided a little bit. Word was out. Lots of people were out. Oh, I paddled out in the darkness. I've been paddling out at dark lately. But you know when there's some, you know, when you're at it, like a mellow longboard spot, it's easy in the dark, easier in the dark because it's a mellow longboard spot. Um, but there, it wasn't mellow this day. This was the, the, the day when there was some swell in town and these mountains were moving beneath me. Vroom, vroom, and no one else had paddled out yet. And it was just me in the water. And all I, all I was just, I barely crested over the lip of a wave where I almost got caught inside and beat up. And, you know, I'd been fine, but you don't want to get beat up in the dark, you know? So I almost like, definitely panic isn't the word, but I, I um, brisk, briskfully and with purpose paddled way out into the middle of what felt like the middle of Monterey Bay to avoid getting caught inside, to avoid being caught in the impact of a dark monstrosity. I'm going to close my window here. And, and I floated out there in the dark. I floated in the dark for like a half hour. You want to talk about meditation, just being stuck with your thoughts. And I just waited for other people to come out. And then other people did come out. And then I blew my takeoff. <laughs> I waited 45 minutes for a good set wave and I kind of blew my takeoff. Um, and then let's see. Oh, and then I caught a good one. I was about to drop in and this older lady was in my way, like right there looking up at me. I'm sorry. And I looked at her and I go, fuck. And I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to get in, get into it with anybody. I was just in a naturally bad mood. I was pissed. And she kind of like, I'm sorry about that. I just kind of gave her a look and turned around, paddled back out. And then I was like, all right, be nice. So I turned around, I go, you know, done it many times. All good. No worries. But then I got greedy. Then I felt like the next wave was mine. Because I'm, I'm a greedy surfer and I'm on my 8 6 Timponi and I won it. And so I deserve to get the set wave. And so uh, I kind of had my blinders on and I took a nice one, a nice one. And as I dropped in, I looked over my left shoulder, it goes right. Looked over my left shoulder, I see a guy right behind me. I just dropped in on him and he goes, ah! like, whoa, like, fucker. I just got a fucking set wave and you dropped in on me. Like that kind of, whoa, whoa. He said all that with that. But he was right at the pitchy part, you know, of the wave, right? Right where the lip throws. And I kind of jammed him. He couldn't go down the line in time. And he just got demolished behind me, demolished by the lip. And I, I kind of like, I looked over, I was like, uh-oh. And I just saw him get demolished. And I was like, well, I guess someone better ride it. So, so I rode the wave. Didn't ride it well. I had one or two really good ones on this Timponi though. It, the, the thing turns. That's what I like about it. It like it'll cut back in the in the curl quickly, and it climbs the face really fast too. Uh, I just I want to surf it right now, just talking about it. Anyway, um, so I royally burn someone. Um, for what it's worth, wasn't a regular. Wasn't someone I see at that break too often. Um, they may have been a decent surfer, not sure. I paddled back sheepishly, and uh, the first guy I saw, I said, hey, did I burn you? And he goes, nope. And I said, dude, I burned someone royally just now. Somewhere, so he's out here somewhere. And the guy kind of laughed, and no one approached me on it. And I would have apologized, you know. But uh, it's easy to get greedy, get them blinders on, and make a mistake. 
Anyhow, okay, I am awaiting a Zoom call. I'm going to Zoom on with this guy named Daniel Fisher of the One Last Wave Project. And I'm not going to describe too much more right now. I want to let Daniel, in his words, describe what One Last Wave Project is. It's really cool. It's very meaningful. It's relevant to, uh, to what I, I've experienced this year with the loss of my, uh, my cousin and best friend of a lifetime, Daniel Coleman. Ryan Lynch is involved. And I'm going to leave it at that. So this is a segue into that Zoom conversation. I'll catch you on the other side. Thank you for listening. Nice to catch up with you again. So let's check out Daniel of the One Last Wave Project. Good, man. Nice to meet you in person. You as well. I'd give you a nice, proper, firm handshake if I could over Zoom, but I can't. I'd love to. I'd love to. Hopefully someday soon. How are you today? Cold. Oh, Cold. yeah? Where, where are you based out of, Dan? Uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Right on. So, I mean, I was originally from Montreal, Canada, so this really isn't uh, cold to me, but mm. uh, it just snapped in the last few days. We went from, I don't know, it was 75, then it was woke up at uh, 32, 31. It was, yeah. it's, it's quite a change. So, yeah, I want to ask you about surfing out there. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you about it right now. Uh, how is the surf right now, this time of year? Uh, so we're, we're, we're almost just past the, the peak time for us. So usually, usually around hurricane season in September, October is when the big swells come in. And then yeah. throughout the winter, whenever there's a snowstorm, you know, if anything, I mean, the nor'easters come up and hit us, then we tend to get some pretty good swell coming in as well. Really? Uh, spring, summertime tends to be, you know, in the two to three foot range, but you know, we get we get uh, twelve to fifteen feet uh, on those big storms that that come in. So any of the hurricanes that you see coming up, everyone gets really revved up to get out there and hoping yeah. it doesn't doesn't hit as well because we're kind of a little island. I'm in the flood zone where I live, so it's kind of trying to balance whether the you know the good waves, but also protecting you know your home and whatnot. Uh, yeah, totally right. So, you can't. Yeah, so it's a, it's, of- a, it's a little balance of both, but the whole town really it's it's amazing because sort of once. It's a very touristy town. So once summer is passed and all the tourists have left, we kind of get our town back and then the waves come in and everyone just piles up at the beaches and gets out there. And it's quite a quite an atmosphere to be a part of, for sure. Now, in, in California, I take this for granted. I'm not a big golfer, but one thing I I, I really didn't truly appreciate, I'm going to close the window because, of course, right when I start recording is when my neighbors yeah. fire the blower. Anyway, uh, one thing no. I, I really come to appreciate being a Californian is that I learned, you know, for golfers, for example, there's a golf season when you're on the West, when you're on the East coast, when you're in the Midwest, Chicago, right. Sure. Like, when there's yeah, you know, yeah. when there's a foot of snow, I mean, obviously you can't golf, right. Is there yeah. a, is there a uh, kind of an off season for you with surfing too? Is it, is there a point where it just gets so freaking cold? You're like, forget this. I'll see you in March. No, I, I actually look forward to the winter surf more than anything else. And and mostly because that's when sort of the hardcore folks are out there doing yeah. it. And you get a lot more of that that peaceful vibe where you're not you're not battling with anybody. There's not you're not overrun by tourists in the water at the same time. More often than not, you can get out there and there'll be snow lined beaches and not a soul in the water and yeah. beautiful waves. And so if you're willing to to deal with the cold of it all. Yeah. And just throw on the suit. Yeah, it's great. I, I I look forward to the winter time more than anything else. Hell yeah, I can relate to that. The other morning, um, well, it's not too cold here yet, but it does get in the high thirties. You know, and I like a, I'm a sunrise guy. Like I think you are too. Oh yeah. Um, and I'll paddle out in the dark too. Uh, you know, just yeah. before the sun crests. Um, but I just was like, I was gonna bring this my fish and blah blah blah. Go to the the more of the hot shot wave spot. And I thought no. I'm putting on my five four booties and I'm getting my nine ten out and I'm gonna cruise at the longboard spot and catch yeah. about ten waves in the cold and it's yeah. nice when you start to smell the chimneys, you know, of the uh, the houses that <laughs> are along. Right. You know, it, it's there's a cool feel. I love it when it's Christmas time too and you see some houses with Christmas lights up, etc. Oh, it's it's wild because we there's so at one of the beaches here at Second Beach they have a spot called Surfers End and every year someone comes and brings like a big Christmas tree puts it in the ground, they decorate with lights, and everyone comes and puts decorations on it. And when you're sitting in the water looking back out towards the sunset, 
I mean, you can see that tree lit up and it's just an incredible experience. Everyone's sort of around it and everything. It's a, it's a real holiday vibe to surfing that something I never really experienced. Like I said, yeah. I, I, I grew up playing hockey in Canada. It was not, this was not something that I was accustomed to. So I really sort of embrace all the moments that I can have in those special times. One quick question. And then I want to get into one last wave project. Um, sure. What do you wear? What do you, what, what wetsuit are you wearing in those, those cold months and uh, booties? Do you wear gloves? Tell me what you, what you, what your gear is. Oh yeah. I mean, I try to hold off as long as I can. I'm still in a four, three. I don't actually know what the water temp is right now, but it's getting down to low forties. Uh, and then it'll, it'll start to crest, uh, probably like January, January, February. And then it's, yeah, seven mil gloves, seven mil booties. I have a five, five suit that I can wear. For me, it's more about, you know, hands and feet than anything else. Your, yeah. your core tends to stay, as long as you're pumping and paddling, your core tends yeah. to stay pretty warm. Yeah. But I was, you know, I, when I first started, I was in, you know, three mil boots and that didn't last me very long. And then I sort of worked my way up and now I, I just go for the full effect, you know, just get as warm as I can. As long as the hands and feet are feeling good, I could stay out there for hours. Dude, that's great. Four, three props. I like it. I wear yeah. four, three most of, most, of, most of the year. I got a three, two. But that five, four comes in handy for me. But then getting it, it off in the parking lot, especially when it's really cold, getting it off. Is, I, don't, uh, I don't even do that anymore. When, you know, I, when, it, when it gets to be wintertime, you know, you, you throw on the suit at home. Yep. You, pop, you know, pop a towel in the car and you just go home and right into the shower because it's it gets pretty blistering cold and the winds, you know, coming up from wherever they are. Standing in the parking lot is not a fun thing to do in the wintertime. So you, you sprint to the car, drive. Right. Just get in, in the there and seat. get home with everything frozen shut. Yeah. I mean, I, I still do. I try to do a lot of like cold plunging too. So I think that helps deal with a lot of the, like I'm still going in the water now without anything. So when I throw a 4.3 on, that feels pretty warm to me right now. But I think if I wasn't doing that, then the adjustment would be a little more. All right. Before we hopped on the Zoom, I did. I recorded a little intro to my uh to my pod um i'm my weakness of this pod is i'm i'm i don't do too much research or burn too many calories i like to, to get on record talk surf and let it rip so i'm gonna let That's you great. do the, the work here knowing better than you to discuss uh the one last wave project you are the founder and if yep. you could just share to listeners brand new to this concept what one last wave is and uh its mission statement and um just tell us about it Sure. So it's, it's, you know, really just a way to use the ocean that I found very therapeutic. And it's a way to use that the healing power within the ocean to help families who are, you know, coping with the loss of a loved one, going through a very difficult time, finding a way to <clears throat> navigate themselves through grief, and at the same time, feel like they're honoring their loved ones. So I, I lost my, my father to pancreatic cancer after an eight year battle. And then about six months after that, my best friend, Rudy, um, who's a, a Malamute dog that I had for 15 years, and we sort of toured the world and did everything together. So those there were two huge significant losses. And then I lost my grandmother and two aunts as well during COVID. It was sort of at that time. And, you know, it was it was very isolating, you know, just in general, because everyone was sort of stuck inside, but also because I was trying to, for the first time, navigate these emotions with grief that I hadn't ever encountered before and trying to connect to my loved ones as well. And and at the time I was, I found myself surfing a lot more, which was something that I could do, that solitary therapy, that saltwater therapy that I had. Uh, an outlet to. So I found myself doing that more. And part of what my dad and I connected on was adventure. And so I thought there'd be some way to celebrate him and honor our our bond together. And so I just wrote his name down on one of my surfboards, took him out into the ocean. And when I was out there catching waves in the sunshine, feeling like we were on an adventure again together, something very transformative happened. And I felt deeply connected to him in that moment and i think because i was so so aware and present with what was going on in the world and how you know you keep hearing stories of people not being able to attend funerals or births of their children or celebrate have meals together with family that i thought 
hey, here's something that worked for me. Maybe this will bring comfort and peace to other people as well. So I just made a video, put it out there on social media, and didn't have any expectation that anybody would ever respond. But that night, it kind of went viral, and I filled up my first board with names within one week. And there was 1,501 names on that board of people that had submitted just through social media before there was you know, a website. It was just responding to comments. And How many names were on that board, that first board again? 1,501 names. Yeah. And wow. it, it, it seemed to resonate with people, I think, because because of the isolation, because, you know, when people are grieving, it's you feel so alone. You feel like this is only happening to you. You don't know who to turn to. We have a very difficult time discussing death with anybody. And at the same time, everything that was going on in the world, I think this was a way to unite people, uh, to allow people to have discussions about grief and loss, and no better way to do that than through the ocean that sort of connects us all around the world and has always been a source of therapy for people who, you know, either going for a walk on the ocean, whether you're a surfer or swimmer, you know, nature is just, uh, it sort of brings us back to, um, to our roots and makes us feel connected to others. And so I think the project brought that to people and, and then it sort of, started from there in January um, of 2022, just exploded. When did your dad pass? Was it in January of 22? No, it was 2019. So wow. it was, it was, it was March of 2019. And I spent probably a good, a good year, year and a half, just feeling isolation, feeling, I, I didn't know how to cope with it at all. And it, it took me a good long while to, start to move away from all the pain that I was feeling and look at other ways that we were connected. Because I think I, I talk about this is that so often when we lose someone, our last connection to them is that pain. And so you don't want to let go of the pain because it feels like that's the only way that you're connected. That's our last sort of line to them. Mm. But when you start to come back and, and really think about, you know, your life that you celebrated with this person, all the moments that you shared what other things connected you and and for me and my father it was adventure it was love and so i was looking at ways to find other connections to him that were away from the pain and that's when i started to lean sort of more into the love side the things that we shared the moments that we had the laughs all the adventures and and lean away from from the pain and that's when the one last wave started because it really is a way to you know as a surfer you know you'll hear it in the water all the time people are always shouting and like like one more wave, one last wave. And it never is one last wave. It's always something else. There, You're always waiting for another one. Every time I take that wave in, it's like, I'll just go take one more. And that's where I started to find with my, my grief journey was there was always another way to honor him. And that's what the project is really about. It's sort of an active memorial to celebrate the lives of those we had lost. So it's not just one surf. The boards go out for the inaugural surf, but after that, they continue to be surfed all the time. I'm rotating through through the four boards that I have here, the board that's in J-Bay in South Africa. They take it out all the time as well. So it's really about continuing to honor our loved ones and celebrate that by having them in the water in the place that was really so meaningful to them. Wow. Which, did you surf with your dad, I assume? I didn't, but we spend a ton of time on the beach. So right. we grew up playing hockey, hiking, pretty much every single sport we could, tennis. He was a big rugby player. Um, but we never, we never, I did put him on a board once, but we never really surfed. It was, he loved to do long distance swimming in the ocean. And I've got such fond memories of all the beaches that we, we were on, you know, building sandcastles as kids and flying kites and everything. So the right. beach was really, the beach was was a place that we, we shared that we love to be at that we have so many memories together and so it had become as i said sort of my my therapy to be out there in the water and it when this all happened it sort of changed the way i i approached surfing it wasn't it wasn't about charging on the biggest waves it was more about connecting to the ocean connecting to the lives on the board celebrating them and and just sort of cruising and, and taking everyone for a ride so i went from riding somewhat shorter boards to like you said too i mean i was taking yeah. out nine foot six logs all the time one because it allowed me to hold more names on the board 
but I just enjoyed that that aspect of it more. That yeah. more flow where you feel connected to the to the ocean in a different way. What what's your dad's name? Carl Fisher. Carl Fisher. Yeah. And he's memorialized on those boards. And I love that term, a living memorial. So yeah. you have your dad and then your initial board, you had a viral post about adding people's names and you added 1500 to that first board. How the heck, I mean, were you some kind of social media influencer prior or something, or how did you get 1500 people to respond to that? No, I mean, so I, so I, before all this back in my career, it actually run uh, a paragliding apparel company. So I got into paragliding must've been around 2001 or so and was flying in Alaska and Mexico and sort of all over. And I, I created a company called Paradrenaline and we made high-end technical apparel for flying at CloudBase. And that account that I had when I when Instagram launched became more about my dog, Rudy. Most of the posts on there were about Rudy. And so all of our travels and adventures together were about him. And, you know, I find a lot of social media you do something funny or you have something with animals tends to blow up. And, and so we had a pretty decent following, but this, when I migrated over to TikTok during COVID, as so many people did, I didn't have a large following there. And that's why I thought, you know, when I put this video out, there wasn't an expectation that anybody would see it at all. And to me, when I look back and put myself in that mindset back then coming out of the water, it was really just, Hey, if I can help one person feel what I just felt being out there with him, then that would be a success for me. And I didn't, I woke up, like I, I woke up the next morning, shocked out of my mind at how many comments were there. I mean, there was like five, 600 comments of people submitting their names of their loved ones. And I didn't know what to do. And I ran to the store to get a pen. Cause at the time I just, they, it was, I was expecting to write one name maybe and put it on a sticky note. Like I do with my dad to take them out there. Then I had to reevaluate everything and, you know, spray the board down get the paint pens ready and just start writing names. And it just it just flowed like that. It was an incredible experience that first time, and just hearing you know some of the harrowing stories. There's all and there's that's another challenging part of it is yeah is I try to connect to every single person that submits a name because grief is such a personal experience that I never wanted it to be this automated thing that said thanks for your submission. That's right. it. Right. So I I read every single email submission that comes in and connect to every single family that is submitting their loved one. And what comes with that is is a fairly emotional toll to it because yeah. but it's important to me as well because as I'm out there on the board and I see the names and I remember the stories of the people who are out there, there's a there's an energy to it all. You know, you've got over 2000 people on some of the boards and every single one of them are names that, that I remember and the stories and connected to their families. And it feels like you're offering them this opportunity to find some peace in, in their own journey. And with that is, you know, the energy of the families, the encouragement of the families, the love that yeah. they shared on top of the beautiful lives that their loved ones had while they were here. And it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's hard to describe. You know, I, and and I hope that you're going to get to experience that as well when you take that board out. I appreciate that, um, and I, I'll t I'll touch on that. But before I want to revisit. So the first time you put your dad's name on the board, it was a sticky note. Yeah. So I went to I think I was just I went to probably Walmart or something. Just got a little sticker, and it was on a board that I ride. It's still on that board, yeah. and sometimes I ride the board, but more often than not, I'm always riding the one last wave boards. So it was on a board I always wrote and just, yeah, I went to Walmart, put it on a sticker. I didn't think it would even stay when I had it out there. Yeah. And then I, I I remember the first probably 15 or 20 names that I had written. I just wrote them on the rest of the sticky notes that I had. And I, I was trying to like piece them all together at the top of the board that's cool. and then floating and floating in the water and thinking like, these are just going to come off. I got to do something different. And that's when I looked at one of the other boards I had that I'd spray painted earlier on and decided that I was going to use that one. But initially, it was just yeah, a sticky note from from Walmart. That's a it's a that's a sweet sweet story and a sweet notion that in your grief, probably in your despair and your sadness, that you thought, what the heck, I'm gonna write my dad's name on this sticker and take him surfing. And when you did that, what did you feel? Yeah, because it was like I, I said, you know, I, I I felt very lost up until that point, and I think part of that was just not knowing exactly how to celebrate his life 
and you know again part of it was covid not able to go and do things and his memorial was postponed and everything but yeah a lot a lot of it was never having experienced it before never knowing what the right thing to do was and and feeling so stuck in the pain and so that when i started thinking about you know what did we share together it was adventure and whether that was you know hiking or hockey or ski, what skiing snowboarding whatever it was it needed to be that cuz that's what we we yeah. shared that's what he he gave me a lot of you know confidence and and adventurousness in in my life from the time i was a little kid and all these fond memories came streaming back into me when i was out there just thinking about you know remembering his smile remembering the encouragement that he gave to me from the time i was a child and and really feeling all of the connection that we had uh and then just being in the water where in in a way you feel that like salt water flush you know it replenishes your your body uh it's such a healing thing and connect that with the adrenaline that we both loved uh it was just sort of this euphoric feeling of feeling connected to someone that you had lost who you had felt you know you didn't really know how to reconnect to that um feeling like that was gone forever but it wasn't and it was something that i found again through through surfing with him on the boards and what i hope to give to other people that first wave you caught was it a good one or did you cook it or there's some like pressure like you know like uh you know about taking it out you know the pressure came after, I'll tell you, the, the, the pressure came after when the camera started coming out and like right. ESPN was on the beach in the summertime when there's, you know, a foot wave, if we're lucky, you know, yeah. trying to surf waves like that. That's when the pressure came. But in that moment, no, I, I remember riding down the line and looking down and seeing his name like yeah. bouncing up and down in the in the water. And it, it was just it's such a surreal moment to think yeah. that that was happening. And, you know, it, it really felt like a part of him was there. That yeah. in in some way he was looking down on me and feeling yeah. feeling happy again, feeling that we could still explore those things together. That's cool, Dan. You mentioned yeah. ESPN, so I may as well ask you about that. I on your website and it's onelastwaveproject.com, You have the piece posted, right? Was it an outside yes, the line, outside the lines? Was it what was it outside the lines that did that, or was it just a feature on Sports Center or what? what? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was Sports Center, ESPN. Yeah, it was. They came out. They they do a lot of sort of mini docs on, on impactful projects related to sports, and so the sort of the executive producer reached out to me and we had a conversation about it prior to engaging in it all. And I just wanted to, you know, explain what we were doing and have someone because up to that point the project kind of exploded. Yeah, and all the news agencies sort of came in and wanted a piece of it. But if someone was going to tell the story in that intimate of a way, I wanted them to to be in a good place to do that and, and really understand where I was coming from. And so I, I spoke to Mike O'Connor, who, you know, was the one who was going to do that. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, the whole experience was very surreal for me, you know. Was it? been a big, big, big fan of ESPN for a long time. And then to see them there on our local beaches with drones and and people in the water filming in the summertime with tourists around and one foot oh, waves wow. it was just it was like it was it was quite an experience because again up to that point it was it was me in, in a solitary moment that's what i sought i was out there in snowstorms and you know negative temperatures because it was a way to to escape a lot of it and find peace and connection to nature it wasn't about being in front of the camera right but but at a certain point you, you realize that if you can get yourself in front of the camera and do that, then you can reach more people and help more people. And so I was willing to do that, but it was certainly not something that I was accustomed to. That's, that's wild. So ESPN contacted you and I was going to ask, you know, what, what was their production setup like? They had drones. So first we did it, we did an interview in the house and I, you, I remember it was like a gloomy day, yeah. sort of later in the day. And it was dark out. And then, I mean, if you looked out any of the windows when the production was going on, my neighbors were wondering, you know, what what exactly is happening because it looked like daylight. I mean, there was just cameras and lights. And I think there was seven or eight people in the house at the time. 
profile completely rearranged and i was writing names on one of the boards the third board at that point in the backyard and it was you know it's it takes probably about a week for me to write the names on the board about 2000 names because a lot of it is figuring out how everyone fits on there yeah and it's it's quite a high pressure situation when you're alone because you can't really make a mistake there's not a lot of room for error in that sense and your eyes just kind of start to go your hand starts to go yeah. and so it's enough of a pressure cooker without anybody else there but when you've got you know three or four cameras like right in your face watching what you're doing writing which is something that we just don't do much of anymore uh it was yeah it was a little stressful for sure but again something that i embraced because it was bringing visibility to it and allowing us to reach more people in that way and how about the surfing aspect yeah they shot from real low in the water there you go that helps <laughs> so it, it looked it looked decent enough but yeah, we actually caught it was a really neat day there was i think there was like the harvest moon one day and so mm. it was you know beautiful red orange moon out there and the drone caught a lot of that it was a beautiful story that they were able to tell i yeah. just wish it had we had been able to capture some some footage later on in the season when when the waves are really flying here. So I, there's been a few I, since then, and there's one that's going on now as well. And, and I think they're going to be able to get some of the good footage. So there's an, someone's getting new footage right now on a board as well. Yeah. So there's there's a few different documentaries. PBS is doing one right now. Oh. Uh, that's it's a really interesting one. It's sort of how art and grief connect each other. Yeah. And how that relates to the ocean and surfing. So that's a really interesting piece that's going on. Should be out. I don't know, probably beginning of next year, I think. Cool. But they they were they were able to get some good footage, I think. Well, the ESPN piece came out wonderfully. And uh yeah. you know, I've seen footage of myself surfing and um I would not <laughs> yeah, I would be very nervous because I'll you know, I feel like I'm standing upright, my shoulders are forward, I'm on this cool, you know, but it turns out I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. holding on, you know. And that poo stance, you know, more often than not. But uh, for what it's worth, you look you look fine surfing in it. You didn't cook it at all. It was a really beautiful yeah. piece. And I, I would ask listeners, maybe pause pause the podcast right now and check out onelastwaveproject.com. It, it translates well to your phone. And just watch that ESPN piece. I've watched it twice. And um, in fact, my, my wife turned me on um, to your to your project. She I'm not uh-huh. big on social media, but she noticed sure. uh, Ryan Lynch, Timber Surf Co. posted something about this, and she loves Ryan. We all do. He's a good man here in, in Santa Cruz, and uh, she's like, "Jeff, you got to check this out." She's the one who sent me it, in fact. And then I kind of got my wheels turning, like, you know, Dan would be a, an interesting guy to to speak to. And you know, I mentioned Ryan Lynch, Timber Surf Co. because he's the latest shaper to produce a one yep. last wave board. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Yeah, it was an amazing experience connecting with Ryan and going through the whole process with him. I, up until that point, we had been, you know, making traditional long boards and whatnot. Or the fifth board was actually made out of, you know, a lot of the different woods and, and waxes and stuff that are in South Africa. And so yeah. it was going to be more interested in sort of the eco side of of surfboard development and the whole process for me, really, because of the, before that, you know, you walk into a surf shop and grab a board and don't really think much about it. And then right. really having, you know, intimate conversations and being on, 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 on you know, in, in a shop where this, the shapers are actually creating these boards and seeing just the artistry that goes into it is incredible. incredible. And so, you know, connecting to Ryan and learning about what he does, it was just a phenomenal collaboration there. And he, he created just an incredibly beautiful board that everyone who's on and all the families are just so appreciative that that he was able to do that it's just a it's a work of art it's really what it is it is a work of art i have three boards from ryan i have one with reclaimed redwood lumber it's mm. uh it's in my living room my wife had it shaped uh for my 40th and uh, it's more or less a wall hanger at this point and I also have a, a seven six kind of super uh, fish, but it's corky. He does these cool cork cork depths, yep. where it's EPS, and it's just an eighth inch cork. It's kind of like yep. a soft top, except except it has integrity to it. And I sure. have a, a twin pin, which he uh, insisted on making for me. But frankly, it's just too it's too much of a it's too high performance. Well, I was I was, I was wondering right off that to, yeah. to the I don't know if it's to the left or to the right of you whether that was one of his. Oh, hand planes. 
Yeah. No, that's uh, from Ventana. My buddy Jason gifted that oh, to okay. me. Okay. Because he, had, he yeah. had posted about it recently. He yeah. posted some yeah. of his that were up there. And I was like, I wonder if that's one of his. I love it. I mean, I, I'd love to grab so much of his stuff. I think it's just a beautiful pieces to have out there. And it makes a lot of sense. And that, it sort of ties into, I think the board's going to, it was, uh, as I was writing the names on, sort of featured in this documentary that's going to be coming up. Because so much of, of art and grief sort of connect people and, and yeah. unite us around the world. And so I think... Yeah. It made, it made it made sense to have that and i'm excited to you know get on the board eventually and get some some waves with it too for sure um in fact ryan hit me up and um you know a month or so ago when i first touched base with him regarding your project and he offered you know listeners of the show know that i lost my cousin just lifelong best friend daniel um yes. suddenly in may and uh i'm still going through it as i'm sure you can relate to it kind of comes and goes and i just can't yeah freaking believe it still and i'm pretty much in shock about it um wasn't the last time i saw daniel last time i saw daniel was at my son's little league game but two weeks before that we, we always have an easter event and uh daniel was cool he had a kind of a ponytail he worked with gang youth in san jose he had his doctorate <laughs> and worked for catholic charities and just great outreach community stuff you know um and just basically helping helping enrich these kind of underprivileged communities uh, in various ways Incredible. Um, and he was, yeah, he was telling me, uh, he said like, people think I'm a surfer. Cause I kind of, cause I kind of look like one. He had a goatee and yeah, he, was, soon, he, yeah. he was fit. And, uh, and in fact, I'd been hitting it up, hitting him up. Like you gotta, I've only been surfing for, I don't know, 11 years now. But I remember when I first started and got the bug, I was like, damn, you gotta go surfing with me, dude. Let's get a big 10, 10 foot foamy. Let's go to Cowles. You know, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe. And anyway, that Easter, just, uh, less than a month before he passed, he said, I'd love to go surfing with you. I, I'm ready to, to give it a shot. Had my friend Bucky there. Uh, Daniel was always the last to stay after everyone cleaned up. And me, Bucky, and Daniel were in the front yard. And Bucky had concocted a plan like, yeah, we're going to go to Waddell. I'll take you there when the swells is this direction. It'll be really fun. Let's do a day. And, you know, we had this whole plan about it. And so, uh, long story short, Ryan said, you know, can I put Daniel's, would you want Daniel's name on the board? And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to presuppose that I could just, you know, throw anybody's name on the board because I know it's your project. Um, but it sounds like, you know, um, sounds like Daniel fit the fit the criteria to be included on that board. And it was amazing how I could tie it back to him, you know, wanting to go surfing with me. Um, so since then, um, I understand a couple people have taken that inaugural timber surfboard out. And Ryan, I believe, is shipping it out soon to another surfer. But he texted me earlier this week, do you want to give it a ride before it goes? And I said, hell yeah, I want to give it a ride. So I'm actually going to pick it up this afternoon. I'm going to take it up to Waddell tomorrow morning. And uh, no, luckily, no one's going to be filming it. And I wouldn't want him to film it anyway, frankly. But uh, I'm going to have some time uh, with uh, with Daniel on the nose of that board. And uh, anyway, I thank you I'm, for allowing no, me. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. When we when we spoke about that, it, it, it felt like it was something that had to be. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to hear how it feels to have him out there. Yeah, I'll you know, let I, know. I know that it's it's something that you'd always wanted to do, something that you shared, and uh, those are the kind of you know moments that I want people to experience with the board. So yeah. you know, back to that ESPN documentary when um, when I was able to go out with um, with that kid, it was it was like his dad had you know, passed away. He was trying to find a way to connect. And it was, it, it brought me back to what it felt like for me to be out there for the first time as well. You know, that there was a connection to my father. It was a connection to his father. And just seeing that and being able to experience that with him in that moment was just such a special thing for me. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I hope as well. And I, you know, glad you're able to, you know, sort of grant that wish in a way and get, get him out there in the waves and, you know, I'm sure it'll be emotional and, and um, something that you can, you know, hold on to. And I, yeah. I hope that it is uh, something that brings comfort to. Yeah. And when I when I pearl the nose on my first takeoff and uh, eat shit and laugh about it, it'll have some levity because Daniel would fucking laugh at me about it, too. <laughs> I got to get I got to get a camera there for it just for that. <laughs> no, you do not believe me, but I will keep you posted. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Moving on, Timber Timber produced a board, part of your project. What other shapers or surfboards have you included in this project? So they've the so the first board was one that I actually had that I sort of made myself re revamped it or whatnot. And then 
once I realized how many names were coming in, I, I knew I, I had to get sort of longer boards to be able to accommodate that. So the first board was um, Aaron Jamison. He's out of Jersey. It's uh, wildlife surfboards, basically. And, and uh, that was the, the first one that we had done sort of outside of something that I had. And that was an, you know, an experience in itself, just having understanding the shaping, picking the yeah. board, the fins, everything about it was was the first sort of, for me, introduction into shaping boards and what that meant. I love geeking and, out on boards. So if I can interject, tell me real quick, what is what was the shape? What is the, what is the shape Aaron produced for so you? His was sort of a traditional log nine. Yep. I believe that one was nine, two, right um, just single fin. Yep. Uh, and then moved, moved things back here. That was, you know, a, I mean, it was an 18 hour turnaround trip. I just needed to go grab the board, drove to yep. Jersey, Cool. Took it all the way back here, went right into the water. Cool. And then I was thinking, if this is going to happen, I want to be a little bit closer to the board so that I can write the names on. So Aaron wrote the names on that second board. Right. And then I wow. wanted to have a little more control of that so that as names were being added, if someone came in late to the to the, the submission process, I could still add them on and whatnot. So then the third board was Dave Levy here of LSD Designs. He's out of Narragansett, Rhode Island. Yeah. And uh, that was just sort of, uh, it was uh, an eight, I think it turned out to be about eight, eight, one, eight, two, yeah. um, just sort of a traditional mid-length, cool. you know, fun, sh fun shape. Yeah. And that, that board holds actually, I think the most names on it. They're, they're, they've sort of been between 1500 and, and 2200 names. Wow. On the Are they new names on every board? Yep. Wow. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we just put it out just over 10,000 names now have been honored on. Wow the six boards that we have and the seventh is is gearing up ready to go out of cornwall in the uk oh, and now wow. we're, we're we're in talks about the the most most northern surf shop in norway to be one of the next ones after that um, <laughs> yeah so it's it's part of part of it for me is really just getting a chance to have different shapers from different parts of the world be able to create these boards because they all have a, a different process a different artistic style and wanting to have the boards released in different places so that, you know, if your loved one wanted to have, you know, theirs, their loved one honored in South Africa, then we'd have the board there. So it's really just about, you know, connecting to different people around the world, different cultures around the world, having something that's very inclusive. So anyone can really be on the board. We talk about Daniel. I've never said no to anyone, whether that's, you know, a human or a, or a pet. There's lots right. of pets on the boards as well. It's all, cool. I think so much of it comes back to that feeling of isolation that you're not connected and then allowing that inclusivity to flow through where you're connecting to people around the world that you know we, we've built sort of a nice community that's been very supportive of everyone who's on the boards in that way how do you find said shapers for this project how did you find ryan for example so i i was i was i wanted to do a west coast board and I started looking at different shapers and, and contacting different people. Sometimes it'll be through a recommendation. Uh, Ryan, I was able to, to find uh, just looking in, in the Santa Cruz area and tying that back in because our last board had been a wood board and looking at someone that was doing sort of eco-friendly shaping in California. And so I came across his Instagram, I believe. And the first time I shot, saw his boards, I was like, I, I've got to get this to have this is this is a perfect blend of what we're trying to do in terms of having these pieces of art that are also these active memorials and someone who has that connection appreciation to the ocean and wants to sort of protect it in a way and that was perfect and then i you know i often hop on a call and, and have discussions with the shapers or who's ever involved in the project just again just is there that sensitivity there that they understand what is behind this because there's a you know everyone who has a loved one on the board wants to connect to ryan and talk to ryan and you know meet him and understand the process and know what he's carrying their loved one and share that with them so there is there is a lot that comes with it as well and so after having that conversation with ryan just a, just a wonderful human being i knew that it'd be a, a great collaboration yeah. and he was willing to do that so we, we yeah. jumped on Absolutely. He's a good craftsman, but he's also very thoughtful too. And, uh, yeah. you know, understands the spirit of this, of this project. And again, it's one exactly. project.com. Um, lastly, regarding this project, and then I want to ask you a couple other quick questions before I let you go. But so are the boards distributed? Does the, does the shaper send it to someone they use it and someone else can rec ask to use it or how does that work? How does the board get around? So, so usually they're actually, 
they stay in the location where they were shaped and surfed. Right. Um, the most important thing for me above all else is that the boards are protected and that they continue to be surfed. And so like the one in we have in South Africa is staying there because there's J-Bay Fin Design is, is hosting it in, in their shop. And people come and visit their shop That's and they cool. can take the board out sometimes or see the board. And they send me videos and we're doing sort of collaboration that way. But it, it really is someone who's responsible for it all. Yeah. And I know the situation where I talk to Ryan lots of times, it's like, there's enough on his plate right now that it's, that's yeah. not something that he, that he can handle. And so, you know, I've looked at a lot of different people and talked to different people. And for me, the best situation right now is probably to bring that six board back to the East coast, which is what's going to be happening so that I know it can sort of reunite with all the boards. A lot of times families have different family members on different boards. And when they come visit, they want to see a few of them. So in a, for a lot of different reasons to protect the board, to ensure that it'll continue to be served, I think most of the U.S. boards are probably going to stay with me in Rhode Island. Yeah. And that way, when someone wants to visit them, they can visit all of them. And that's sort of the process going on right now. But that board, that board was unique with with Ryan. It was I wanted to be able to write the names on the board, and so after he had shaped it, he shipped it to me, and I spent a week with the board getting all the names on, and then shipped it back to him until we found a surfer to surf the board. That usually doesn't happen. Usually, it's in location. We'll have someone write the names on, or It'll be done locally and I can do that. This was just a, a unique circumstance, but it worked out incredibly well for a lot of reasons. And I understand his good friend, Nico, who passed away uh, yeah. maybe two, two years ago, is on that board as well, too. And he sounded like a sounded like a really special person, too. So uh, I'm sure that, that meant something to Ryan as well. Nico um, and I think Ben Kelly was there as well. Right. And they're all, and, you know, yeah. Daniel, like I said to you, they're they're all up at the nose there. And, and what know, an honor. sort of that, 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 uh, that guiding guiding light. That's how my, my, my father's always been out there when you're sitting on the board and you see the names, uh, yeah. something really special to experience. Yeah. Ben Kelly, the young shaper who touched a lot of people in Santa Cruz as well too, and had a great reputation. Yeah. yeah that's incredibly, incredibly special. So anyway, thank you for the opportunity for me to surf the board. I'll, I'll let you know how I, how I do manana for sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing about it. Okay, so onward, real quick. I want to ask you quickly, rapid fire about your personal surfing. How long have you surfed? Fourteen years, probably. All right, excellent, good. So, in those fourteen years, I ask this to most of my guests. What's the? Give me a scary moment you've had surfing where you just were absolutely spooked, where you were just happy to kiss the sand when you returned to land. <laughs> I know you've had one. Oh yeah, so so I remember it was it was a huge swell. I can't remember which hurricane it was, but it was one of those it was one of those big ones here. And uh, I remember paddling out, first standing on the shore talking to a bunch of guys who were who were saying, you know, we didn't get out. You couldn't see anything. There was so much fog, you couldn't see any of the waves. But you knew based off of the buoy readings that you know those were in the like the fifteen foot range. So paddling into the the darkness, knowing what's ahead, but not being able to see it was terrifying enough as it was. Yeah. And I, I remember writing in my phone, that was one of the best waves I ever caught. And I, I paddled back out after that, just seeing these huge walls coming at you from the darkness. And I went, I went to get under one of them and my leash snapped. And I was probably 250 yards out. The leash snapped and the board was gone. And there I was just floating in the abyss, oh, not knowing like which direction was up or down basically. And had to, I, like, I didn't know how far out I was also because you had just gone. And I remember that, that side stroke swim back to shore, <laughs> hoping that the board was okay and hoping that I'd get back. Okay. It felt like 15 to 20 minutes of, of pure terror to me. So it was, it was, it was a high and low. It was, the best wave I ever caught, but also right. having to deal with that leash snaps. It, it was terrifying. So you, you didn't get caught in a channel or anything. Luckily, you were able just to let the breakers beat you in. Yeah, yeah. I, I got beat down more than a few times on the way in, you know, and you're going through your mind that, you know, oh, yeah. do I have the strength to get back in here? And you just, yeah. you're fighting for everything to make it happen. Isn't that, that the best? You know, when, you're, when you're really scared and you're fucked, um, just to get beat in, you're like, yes. Like those are the, those are the happiest cartwheels underwater. You're like, yes, That's right. I'm getting pushed in. I, I, wonder how, <laughs> I wonder how far I'm pushed in now. Like, oh, I can't come up. Well, you know, so, sometimes the waves, there's, there's so much behind it that it doesn't really actually pick you up. It just pounds you down. You're hoping yeah. to like 
drive through and body surf some some of the ways and it's nothing you're just straight down yeah did it you was, find your board i did it was fine it was just sitting on the sand back there so luckily that was okay there was no leash but everything else was fine yeah. that's a good one okay how about the last time you cooked it you burned someone hard you ate shit you 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 ding the board uh whatever what was the last time you just felt like god i've been doing this too long to experience this I mean, isn't that every time? There's always, yeah. there's always, there's always a moment like that. I was out probably, uh, I don't know, I was about a, a month and a half. I was surfing a spot that that I don't surf often, and it it only comes up when there's a certain swell, the direction, if there's enough of it, the way everything has to sort of tie in well. It's called the dumps, and nobody really, really surfs there. And 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 like the only way to really get out, like you can paddle out, but the best way to get out is to sort of walk around. And uh, and I was carrying one of the boards, which you know I protect with my life, and just walking along. And it was the it was a trisha like don't be walking on the the slippery rocks because you know exactly what's going to be happening. Yep. And there's a bunch of guys watching me go out, like you know who's this guy? You know is he a kook or not? Is he, is is somebody who knows what he's doing? And I knew what I was doing, but I was acting the opposite way. And I just bit it on one of the rocks. Everything went flying up in the air. I was able to catch the board in there, and then I had to paddle out to these guys and talk to them after. It was it was quite an embarrassing <laughs> moment for me altogether. It was just it was should have done, never should have done it. But oh, I know, yeah. and you, you know, um, you feel like everyone's watching you. And often when you're on a wave or you got a good one, no one gives a shit. But yeah. I listen selfishly, guiltily. I've been on the lineup watching someone climb rocks, and if they eat shit, you're like, oh, you know, everyone's <laughs> kind of watching right. you, and you're that guy, you know. So they are all watching you in that moment That's for right. because vicariously. You're a good spirited guy. I am too. I like to think I root for people. I don't have a sure. shot, so to speak. But at the same time, when someone eats it, there's that's a part right. of us that's like, everyone knows that could have been me and this time it wasn't. So I'm grateful. Yeah. For that. I know. I know. It's, it's part of it. You got to enjoy it when it happens. Surfing's humbling that way. Well, it is. I, lo- I love how you um, I love how you included surfing and memorializing your dad and sharing these experiences with other people. It's a fantastic story. Again, I'd encourage people to go to onelastwaveproject.com. Check out that ESPN piece. You're quite engaging. I like to call you a friend, and I'm happy to make your acquaintance. And I really want to thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me, for sure. Yeah. I'll let you know how uh, my inaugural ride with uh, with this timber goes, with Daniel on the nose. Yeah. I think it's yeah. an 8 it's an 8-0, like super fish, which is perfect yeah. for me. So, yeah. Um, Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to ride it, so you'll have to let me know how it goes, too. I mean, it's just, uh, I'm really eager to hear about it. So thanks cool. for having me on. And uh, yeah. yeah, if anyone wants to submit, we're, we're taking the submissions for our seventh board. So. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a, that's a good point before we leave. How do people uh, have submissions for loved ones? Yes, yeah, so just just go to the, the website, onelastwaveproject.com, and there's a submission link in there. And we're taking them now for board seven that's going out in Cornwall in the UK, probably, hopefully by the end of the year, but, but uh, maybe early 2024. Awesome. And you're on, by the way, we have listeners in Cornwall too. So maybe one or two of those people might, might email you. Um, yeah. And then how do they find you on social media? Yeah. So we're sort of on all the different platforms, just one last wave project um, for most of them. I think one last wave on TikTok and uh, Twitter because they didn't allow the rest of it for some reason, but it's mostly one last wave project. You look us up, you'll see they're all the same and they're all connected through the website. You can find all our social links there. All right. Cool. Dan, thank you. I know your dad would be very proud of you. God bless you, my man. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much. Peace. Dan Fisher, One Last Wave Project. And here we are a couple days later. It is 5.06 in the morning on a Monday morning. And in fact, I got my hands on this 8 um, hatchet fish, I think it's called, or super mega, fi- mega fish shaped by Ryan Lynch that had I think almost 2,000 names on the board. And it's it's heavy reading all of those names. It's almost creepy at first. You're like, wow, these are all these are all dead people. You know, I took the board up to a beach about a half hour north of Santa Cruz, out of town. I wanted a little bit of space. It's one of my favorite spots to surf to, less people, etc. It's a beautiful fall morning. Pretty crisp, chill in the air. The water felt good too, but my buddy Craig went with me, which is great. He's one of my favorite dudes to surf with. And yeah, it's a lot of names on that board, you know? And, you know, as I wax it, you're, you're almost, I don't know, 
I was focused on surfing it. I was looking at the board, looked really cool. Of course, I saw Daniel's name at the nose. I think I saw Jack O'Neill's name on there of O'Neill wetsuit fame. And it wasn't until I paddled it out and floated out there when the names really started to resonate. Because, you know, you have downtime. And, you know, you're trying to feel something. I wanted to feel something. And I didn't feel grief. I didn't feel sadness at all. I, I started reading the names. And that part was heavy. Just seeing the names of these people that, you know, I was showing the board to my, my little boy, uh, Joe, before I took it out. I said, look at every one of these names. Every one of these people had celebrations in their life, successes, failures, goals, goals they achieved, goals they didn't reach loves, losses, tragedies in their own lives, victories, wants, needs. You know, they went to school just like you, Joe. Some of them failed their spelling test and were bummed out about it. (laughs) Some were great at baseball. Some were, who knows. Every one of those names had dreams. They all had names, a specific name that their mom and dad picked for them. And, you know, that notion is heavy. And <laughs> it's the one thing we can assuredly have. No, that's going to happen is, is uh, as Ali G would say, the oh, deaf thing. That oh, deaf thing's going to happen to you. And, uh, yeah, I still can't wrap my damn mind around it. Anyway, so I took the board out. I got to compliment the board. The board was sick. It's not the prettiest board. I mean, it's pretty because it's full of redwood and has that cool One Last Wave logo on it. And and the names are written on it. But the shape itself, I mean, 80 fish, it just doesn't, frankly, I don't think it looks that good. But the the thing about Ryan's board, Timber Surf Co., his boards just feel good. The rails are uh, chined, I guess would be the word. The rails on the board feel Chine, 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 chine. The rails on the board, they just feel good. They feel like you can take a steep drop. And the board was 22 and a half wide, three inches thick, eight feet long. I already said that about five times, I think. So I took the board out. I whiffed on a couple waves. And then I already talked to myself while I'm in the water. And of course, I end up having a conversation in my head with my cousin, Daniel. I see his name. I... Daniel, I'll get you a wave. Don't worry, buddy. And I envisioned him out there with me. It was a soft day. It was, uh, waves were, the waves were fun. They were fun. They were crumbly. They were non-threatening. They were soft, but there was plenty of them. And there was, in fact, a boyfriend and girlfriend, a couple of some sort. Could have been a husband and wife, but they looked, they looked younger. And uh, boyfriend was on a short board, and his girlfriend was out there on a on a wave storm, and he was trying to push her into waves. And it made me think, I'll be damned. <laughs> and I just connected it right now, in fact, as, I, uh, as I'm recording this. I didn't think that in the water, but now in hindsight, duh. He was taking someone surfing what it looked like for the first or second time. And I was in spirit taking uh, my cousin Daniel surfing for the first time. So I said, I'll get you a couple waves, Daniel. Sure enough, I got a left. I got low because I suck at going left, but I got real low. I dragged my hand. I hold the rail. And like I try to get barreled on a two-foot wave. Uh, it's a really fun, albeit non-productive, because I don't get any better at surfing left because I just do the same move over and over again, but it's a really fun uh, move to do. And you take it into shore as far as possible before you get slammed on the sand or in the shallow water. And uh, I did that, and I kicked out cleanly, actually. And I said, all right, Daniel, we got one, didn't we? Which was kind of a nice, special little feeling. Then another moment, too, where there was, you know, a wave on the outside. You know, I was about to get caught inside, and and I had to do some duck diving or some turtle rolling or just holding on to this big old board. And uh, I had this thing in my head. It was Daniel. He goes, all right, here comes my death. Let's see how you do. And, uh, you know, I held the board and tried to duck dive it or, I, you know, whatever. With the long board, what are you going to do? I, I just kind of hug the board. I just push right into it and hope it doesn't push me back too far and kind of get tossed. But and I paddled through that and I had this sensation like, see, that was you, you can make, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. You made it. Anyway, sounds kind of corny, but it's true. When you're out there floating for an hour plus, your thoughts spin 
and uh, Daniel was there with me in spirit. And hell, I'll have a pretend conversation with my cousin in my head if I want to. Damn it. Anyway, very cool experience. It was heavy reading all those names. Um, Timber makes a nice twin fin. I recommend it. One last wave project.com and uh, follow him on Instagram. In fact, Dan posted a nice little tribute about my day with uh, with Big Dano out there surfing with him for the first time. So this is the Midlife Surfer Podcast. Pretty cool episode. I appreciate you listening, and I hope to see you again when I post again. God bless you, and peace. peace. And I'm on the block. What's gonna be my bumper sticker? In New York, I really rock. What? Hiding in my sock. You say, Sarah, you rock. Uh, Running from the cop. Uh, shooting at the up. You know what I'm saying? It's a pretty sick idea, actually.